Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle, the number one place to get your Kylite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. Mike's horrendous record of following the Blues in the capital continues <laughs> as they are held to a nil-nil draw by AFC Wimbledon. We look back on that draw in the big smoke while looking ahead to the midweek home clash with playoff hopefuls Mansfield Town. Yes, Mike, we're going to have to explain that introduction there, aren't we? Because we, we worked this out when we were having a pint at the Houston Town <laughs> waiting to come back after the game. So your record of following United within the boundaries of the M25... And yeah. by that, we're allowing you not to include Crawley Town, which is another one where you've not had yeah. a great day. It's pretty awful, isn't it? And yeah. just not including Wembley, we should say, but yeah. Yeah. Well, if you to include Wembley, I've only ever seen us score two goals in <laughs> the general London area. And that was obviously Gary Medine's against Southampton and uh, Peter Murphy's against Brentford. But yeah. So God, what, what, what games have we got there? We've got this weekend was a nil-nil. We've yeah. got the... Defeated Sutton last season, which was 4-0. Um, yeah. I went to Charlton a good few years ago when they had Nicky Bailey playing for them. I don't think we scored in that one. No, I just remember sure. giving them a lot of abuse. Um, yeah. And uh, the 0-0 at Barnet, the yeah. famous one, which was a dreadful game as well. So not only have you not seen us win in the capital uh, outside of Wembley, you've never seen us even... Oh, and Leighton Orient as well. Have you, what, what, what was your Leighton Orient one? Well, that was the one uh, where... I don't. Th- I don't think we scored in that either. Well, oh, no, we did. Not... We did. To be fair, you have seen a goal, and that's, that's oh, wrong. Okay. Jack Idle yeah. scored that day. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was a one-one right. draw. I think that was. So there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, because Jared Branford gave away a penalty in that game. That's what I remember. More. Yeah. We'll talk about him. Never a penalty. Maybe later. But there you go. Yes, I agree with that. Hundred percent. Well, there you go. So, so one goal you've seen in the capital, and that was a one-one yeah. draw. Lane or all the rest, you failed to see a goal. So, you, you, thank, thank goodness you're going to be away for the final day of the season, aren't you, for the Sutton <laughs> game? So, yeah. we don't have to. Yeah, worry about that one too much, but there you go. Anyway, we're going to get into it. Uh, it's not going to be probably quite as long as usual. We're going to save the X-Files section for a bumper one uh, later in the week when Dan's back. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll bash through the FC Wimbledon stuff and the preview of the Mansfield game uh, for midweek. So uh, before we get started, as usual, we've got to tell you about uh, the sponsor stuff. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Cal United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters games and fundraising for the club. This season they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast, and so more people can learn about it, and uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cumbrians.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, Brunton Bugle at gmail.com. 
Right, Mike, on to the news section. And uh, one little bit of news. It's a follow-up from the news we did in at the end of the week on the uh, preview episode for the Wimbledon game. And uh, it's an update on the monthly awards for League One. For, sorry, League Two. Sorry, I get ahead of myself there, wasn't I? Uh, for, for League Two. And uh, yeah, the day after we recorded that episode, uh, the winners were announced. And unfortunately, uh, it's not good news for the Blues, is it? Both of our no. candidates missed out. Yeah, they don't like travelling that far north to uh, to give the awards, I think, so... Just remember, justice for Dab- Jabbo. That, that was the uh, the big one, wasn't it? He, yeah. How he never won that monthly award, I will never know. That was baffling, that decision. Yeah, I know. But there you go. But yeah, so so basically, um, both Simo and uh, Christian Dennis missed out on the, on the awards. Christian Dennis lost out to uh, Conor McElhinney. He did score more goals than Christian that month, so you mm. can sort of accept it. Uh, Simo, again... Pipped by Matt Bloomfield, the Colchester manager, he did pick up one more point. He had one more game to gain that point, though. So, but I bit, mean, uh, Col- Colchester before this month, I think it's maybe a better achievement for them, yeah, given where what, they were in the league. It's one of those things we've just been so consistently solid and fairly good. Mm. When we've had a really good month, it doesn't look that much of a difference to the rest of yeah. it, does it? Even though we've sort of nipped into third place, so. So yeah, a little bit for Shane the both himself. But uh, Christian Dennis could still win this month because there's the PFA award and the voting for that is while we record. Actually, so by the time you listen to this, the voting will have closed and you probably know whether he's won or not. That's a uh, one that's done by a fan vote. Owen Moxon won it last month, so we could be looking at uh, back-to-back wins for the Blues, couldn't we, in that one? Yeah, um, the good fun them fan votes because it asks you to vote on like a load of other players and a load of other categories and women's players and all sorts. And I'm just like randomly clicking yeah, players I, I, I don't know anything about. I, I literally have none of no clue <laughs> them. So like I, I was going through and I was like, oh, I vaguely like them as a player. I like that club. I like that club. But the women's one, I was just like, well, I've heard of her name as in the one who's uh, Leticia. <laughs> I was like, bigger. <laughs> For the wrong reasons, I know her surname. Um, yeah. But there you go. So yeah, um, by the time he listens to this episode, you probably know who's won the award. So, so there you go. A uh, little quick Lone Watch roundup from this weekend. Um, yeah, uh, Annan, let's start there. Max Killsby, unfortunately. Annan's uh, recent good run of form hit a sort of slight um, bump in the tracks, didn't it? I think it's fair to say. Um, but I yeah. mean... A narrow 2-1 defeat at tabletop as Dumbarton's nothing really for them to be ashamed of. And uh, again, Max got another 90 minutes under his belt. That's really good stuff for him. Mm. Uh, next for the Galabankies is a home tie. There's no respite here. They've got a home tie against second place Sterling Albion. So that'll mm. be interesting to see how they get on in that game. Uh, Lewis Bell and Gretna 2008, not a good afternoon for them. They lost 1-0 at home to Berwick Rangers. But it was another full 90 minutes for uh, Lewis Bell. Again, no respite for them. They're away at Celtic B. <laughs> This weekend, so that is a, a really tough one. But I suppose a great test for Lewis in that sense as well. So that, that's really mm. good for him. Um, Morpeth Town and Sam Fishburne, a great result for Morpeth for the weekend. They beat Atherton Collieries 3-0 at home. Unfortunately, no appearance for Sam. It's second week in a row. He's been a unused substitute. So, um, yeah, maybe you know, just needs to pull his... Well, probably been a bit harsh. Pull his socks up a little bit and try and get himself back in the team there. It's... It's not quite working out for him there, is it, Mike? No, it really isn't. And Yeah, I, I don't know how his future is going to pan out, really, because he was so well thought of and he's not exactly pulling apart trees there, is he? No, he's like, I'm, I'm looking at here and he's he's on 15 appearances, three goals. Mm. Five of those appearances have been as a sub. So he's averaging, what, one in five? Mm. And... You know, he, he was playing for our first team, you know, last season, around about this time as well, still as well. And there clearly was an attitude problem towards the end of the mm. season. We saw that with the Carlisle City incident before the Cumberland Cup game where we, they got embarrassed. Um, 
and and yeah. It's one of those ones I'm starting to wonder. He, he he's up, his contract's up at the end of the season. We have a trigger option. I'm I'm starting to wonder whether we'll bother triggering it. Yeah, I mean, I actually think that he could well be like an Andy Cook or a Ryan Bowman who gets released and then kicks on kind of thing. I think um, he, I think he needs to be taken out of his comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, because I mean, he's had a couple of loans both in the northeast, and he's not really he's done better at Morpeth than he did at. Um, at Blythe Spartans, we saw that. Mm. It's the Lancaster City one's the one that stands out, but then he maybe was just playing on that cocky confidence and he was just, you know, mm. playing with a bit of a edge to him and he's gone and played for our first team and thinks he's almost thinks he's made it maybe and he's had to drop down to non league football again with his loans and suddenly finding actually it's not as easy as I thought. <laughs> Mm. So it's, it's it's one of those ones, it, it may well end up being the learning curve that he has to leave us to, to actually find out how good he is. I mean, I'd like to think he'd stay, I'd like to think he'd be given a chance to show what he's capable of, but Simo's not one to give contracts for the fun of it, is he? So, no, exactly. So yeah, he's got a challenge on there. And finally, last up, Dan Hill, uh, Clinton Moore Celtic, they lost 3-0 at home to Chatterton. He was on the bench, I can't find out whether he actually came on or not in this game, it's difficult to find out because Clinton Moore don't post a huge amount on their Twitter feed. So, so yeah, uh, next for them, uh, they've got a midweek trip to Darwin FC before a home tie against Nelson. Um, right, let's get on to the one we want to talk about, um, Mike. Thrill a minute. AFC Wimbledon nil, Cali United nil. And I'm being a bit facetious there because it was better than that Barnet game we went to, wasn't it? Yeah, I've seen much worse nil-nils. Um I mean, first half was pretty dull, really. Um, yeah. But second half, we were the better team, um, yeah. and it and it was entertaining. And to be honest, I say we were the better team, but there was a few bits where it was it's quite end to end. At the yeah, end, was, especially, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, I've, I've seen I've seen worse nil nils, and you'll always take a point away from home against you know a team in the top half. So yeah, the key things is we're following this up with a home game and. If you get your three points from that home game, yeah, you'd say great four points out of six, and you know, one, what draw away, win at home, perfect, happy with definitely. That. And, and it was vital after the Harrogate game to not lose two games in a row. Yeah, we've um, only done that once this season. Everybody thinks was yeah, Orient and Stockport, and that that's been a real positive this season. Actually, not not getting on losing runs. I mean, yes, you'd argue it's, it's a non-winning run, but it's only two games, and you know, there's every chance we can bounce back from that in midweek against Manfield or at Colchester the weekend. So yeah. that, that's the key thing. And actually, the, the thing is, if you look at the form table, we've actually gone up back up to first in the form table mm. because, you know, all the, all the teams around us didn't get results, which we'll talk about in a minute. We'll look at the League 2 results after we've talked about this because it was a very interesting afternoon, actually, I think, in League 2, it's fair to say. Um, team selection. Now, we were, um, before the game, the only one who didn't see, uh, we went on the AFC Wimbledon live pre-match YouTube feed, didn't we? We do a little thing at the stadium. We'll, we'll talk a little about that in a sec, actually. If I let's talk about now. So basically, um, the, the guys from the Nine Years podcast, which is sort of related to how long it took Wimbledon to get back into the Football League when they formed the new club, um, they invited us to um, to come along and um, basically jo- they they like to have an opposition fan do a little chat for like 10, 15, 10 minutes or so pre match about their team and you know who the danger men are and things like that. So they invited us to go along. So we went along there, and anyone who went down to the ground will have seen that uh, wooden statue that's outside the main stand that you, you, you made a few comments about, Mike, didn't you, before the game? <laughs> um, and, and then we, we got taken into the main stand. And the thing is with, with Wimbledon's new ground is three of the stands are just temporary ones for now, aren't they? But they're good yeah, quality but, temporary, aren't they? Yeah, 
The, uh, I mean, they're better than some other clubs' permanent stands, to be honest with you. Mentioning their clubs there, Barrow. Yeah. Um, the, yes, it's, it, it, it's not a bad little stand, actually, that the temporary ones they got there. But the main stand was very impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, and I, I thought, you know, some people were saying they weren't that impressed with that. I thought it was a really tidy, tidy little ground. Um, For the space they've got to fit it in, I think they've done a fairly decent job, actually. Yeah. Um, and it, it, they've, like, filled in... Uh, some of the corners, which I always think looks good, um, yeah. but it it really sneaks up on you though, doesn't it? Like, yeah, you, you just like didn't, you know, some grounds you see the flood floodlights from like half a mile away, and you know, but this ground you sort of turn a corner and there's like a big block of flats or whatever. It's weird because like because the, the, the main there. yeah the main stand sort of backs onto like it's a side bit. It doesn't back onto the main street. It's actually the the stand bit, the main home stand behind the goal. The backs mm. onto the thing, so it doesn't. It's not very big when it appears at you, is it really? And, you, mm. and to get to the away end, I think you actually technically have to. We didn't actually go in the the main way. We just got let in through the stand, didn't we? Mm. So I think you basically the way you go around was a bit different. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it, we went in and and they've got this uh, obviously this this really nice um, sort of setup for the executive thing, isn't it? Where they have meals and they have players getting interviewed before the game. Yeah, and, yeah. and then there's a little raise bit above that where they have a little studio. I think they've got issues in terms of the. When they're interviewing the players, the sound you can hear it on the <laughs> in the studio above. Mm. So it's um, so we yeah we, we went on and had a little chat, didn't we, about the thing? And obviously by that point we did know about the team news. And were you surprised, Dennis and Garn up front? Yeah, I mean for me, <laughs> yeah, I would like to see sort of Dennis or Garner with mm. Patrick or Gordon. Because um, I feel like Dennis and Garner together, it's they're both a little bit too similar, and you don't have a lot yeah. of pace with that. And that kind of showed. And then obviously we had Patrick and Gordon on later, and they're, again they're too similar, and they both want to run them behind. But you need someone to drop a little bit deeper to create the space to be to run them behind. Yeah, it, it, it was a strange one. We, we saw it and we thought, well, I suppose you're coming up against. An ex- big experienced centre back in Alex Pearson and, and the other lad at centre back, um, what's his name, uh, Kalambai. Um, he looked a big, strong lad as well, didn't he? Up mm. against Garn. I mean, Garn is, you know, he's not big, massively mus- muscular, but he's a strong enough lad and he looked a big lad against Garner. Um, so, like, you think, oh, maybe maybe once two physical players up there to sort of tire them out a little bit first mm. and then throw the pace and let on. It didn't quite work, really, because Wimbledon sit no. quite deep and it made it difficult mm. for us to get in behind anyway. Mm. So we're having two paces play there. It was, a, it was an odd one, wasn't it? But we'll talk about that shortly. The other big news was uh, Joel Senior being back into the uh, the team, um, and and yeah, obviously, a bit of news there on Ben Barkley, wasn't there? Yeah, uh, apparently he's uh, damaged a ligament in so his... damaged or torn a ligament in his calf. And yeah. I thought when you, I heard there were torn ligament, I thought that's going to be out for a while. But it turns out, similar was saying post-match, this is a ligament that doesn't really do that much. So, mm. although it puts you out for a little bit, you, you basically, you, you were back in two weeks, essentially. So, it's not quite mm. as bad as he thought. And I, he's just had rotten luck, Ben Barkley, hasn't he, since he's been here? Yeah, because, I mean, his career before us, he, he's never been particularly injury-prone. You yeah. know, it, it, I think, it, like you say, it's just rotten luck, really. Yeah, absolute rotten luck, definitely. So yeah, senior came back in, and um, other than that, really, that that was the only changes, wasn't it? And um, yeah, as you mentioned, their first half, I've written down the chances. I haven't watched the extended highlights back again. There's nothing. We had the two best chances. I mean, actually, looking at it, Wimbledon had one chance, which was a a, a very tame sort of looping header from the edge of the box that 
I mean, Holy didn't almost caught on, came out on court, didn't he? Rather than mm. saving it, it was nothing at all. Whereas for ourselves, obviously Gibson had that long range bobbling chance, which looked a bit awkward from behind the goal. But watching it back on the telly, it, it, it's it's a very easy save for the keeper, mm. isn't it? Actually, in the end. But the two main ones were Dennis and Garner, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, I think... I, I couldn't tell if the Dennis one had, had hit the bar or the keeper saved it. Keeper saved it, I think, looking back yeah. on the TV. So. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... Uh, well, you also missed out the uh, the Gibson free kick, which the last... I, I didn't said about put that, that in, we were going to talk about that later. Yeah. Free kicks, but there you go. <laughs> But yes, I mean the the Dennis one, the flicked header towards the near post from a corner, which is seems to be a bit of a, a tactic we're trying to do. And the the problem with that is because of the kind of corner you have to take for that. Moxon's messing up a lot of corners lately because that because he's trying to play that mm. slightly lower, shallow one to the near post that Dennis can flick on. Which if it comes off, unstoppable. You can't, you know. To I think there's been two or three brilliant saves from keepers, and mm. sooner or later one of those is going to go in, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the the I think the thinking behind it is obviously their big man will be marking our big men. Yeah. So Dennis can often find a little bit of space in the box, um, but I mean, our big men. If you know, if you were to do a different corner tactic, it wouldn't work because our big men would just sort of been manhandled on every corner, yeah. and you know, you you can't knock them for that. We did a little bit when they had some corners as well, so yeah. it's just. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll we'll discuss the ref because it, it's soon because he he, mm. he did his best to try and ruin that game. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, yes, obviously that one, and then Garner had a chance just before the break. Uh, I think you missed this one, didn't you? Because I think you'd already gone down to the to try and beat the rush for half time to go to the toilet mm. because the, of the announcement of the beers and stuff, like which again we'll, we'll discuss. But um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, basically a long corner to the far post and Garner got up. I thought it was Feeney at first, but from Watching it back, it was very much Garner and probably should do better with this chance. I don't know if you've seen the YouTube highlights yet, Mike, but he probably should be burying it, really. I haven't seen, I haven't seen it again, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a good, I'll, really I'll good chance. I'll take your word for it, though. Yeah, take my word for it. It was, it was a really good <laughs> opportunity. And that was when their players sort of, there was a little bit of pulling and shoving when that he got that header. And that, a couple of their players went up and started to mow off at Garner and Huntington came straight across to square up to one of them and the two of them got booked in the end so mm. a bit, bit silly that really I mean the ref could have handled that better I think um, so yeah you go into the break and, and our feeling at half time we were discussing with it was that it was a, a fairly balanced game but we looked the more comfortable side but we just didn't really threaten enough mm. yeah definitely and I, I, I felt like uh, I mean Gibson like a few a few times beat players in the middle and sort of things opened up a little bit yeah. which is never really Got that final pass, that final touch in the final third. Yeah, definitely. It was, it, it, it was just that final decision making a couple of times was a little bit poor mm. and getting the ball in. But you could see that there was opportunities to get in there and cause some problems, wasn't there? Uh, as I mentioned there at half time, just before the break, because throughout the first half, there was a lot of the, the lights in the stadium, as in the lights in the stand to light up mm. the stand, were kept flickering on and off, didn't they? And it was a bit, well, what's going on? It's like a rave going on or something. <laughs> and then we realised that, well, the floodlights are on, then they suddenly all came on. And then there was an announcement, wasn't there, that there basically had been a power surge in the local area. Mm. And as a result, the way they put it on the tunnel was misleading because they said to, to to make sure there was no issues in terms of that, they wouldn't be selling beer at half time. Mm. I was like, well, hang on. That's not using that much power. What it was, it turns out, is that the CCTV had been wiped out, essentially, mm. by the power surge. 
And because apparently part of their license is that they need to have CCTV available, they couldn't serve any beer at yeah. half-time. So you had a lot of piss-off Cumbrians going down at the break and not being able to get a beer. And apparently they'd already started pre-pouring the beers for half-time as well. Mm. So they must have had to chuck a, a shed load of beer down the uh, Yeah, the I, d- well. I did have to laugh at our fans singing shit ground no peeve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That lo- lo- lovely chant, that wasn't it? Very comfortable. <laughs> but um, but yes, it was it was it was frustrating, really. And um, yeah, a lot, you went down early to make sure you get into the loo because there was going to be a big queue for the loo. Now, as a result, mm. of people not being able to get their drink and stuff. So, uh, mm. so yeah, so going into the second half, um, and we definitely stepped up a little bit, didn't we? I think it's fair to say in terms of the way we played. Yeah, definitely. We really started to sort of turn the screw. Um... Well, it's worth noting that they had the first chance of the second half, didn't they? With a, uh, some good play initially to get away by Moxon, and then a really sloppy pass across across the goal, wasn't it? Mm. Not very unexpected for him. And um, the lad intercepted it, it flicked up, and he hit a volley that was easily saved by him. It was, well, it was down for Holy's throat, wasn't it? And he held it really comfortably. Yeah. Um, and then there was a really good chance that uh, it was a lovely bit of build up play down the right, wasn't it? Mm. Like, really, lots of nice, quick passing and then the ball came across to Dennis and we had about three players unmarked at the far post and it came to the one man you'd wanted to but I don't think it came right in front of him did it yeah it was just back behind him a little bit so he swung at it and basically missed the ball and we recycled it and I don't think anything came of it that second chance but then other than that actually the other chances some really good chance actually there was a um, Huntington had a volley from a corner that deflected over off the defender I think it was yeah. going over anyway to be fair but mm. we got another corner for, and from the build up from the following corner Callum Guy had the chance of the match for us really wasn't it it was one, yeah, where... it was one of the best saves that I've seen all season to yeah. be honest with you I don't think the TV footage anyone who sees it does it justice because we were mm. literally right behind where it was weren't we behind the goal yeah and um, I think the keeper was like goal blinded as well because yeah. there was quite a few players in front of him yeah there was two three players in front of him Guy hits a shot into the ground it bounces up and the keeper gets across to claw it out and we were already up and celebrating, weren't we? That's how yeah. close we thought it was to go in, and somehow he clawed it away. Um, and yeah, and then there was uh, another one where, um, and again, great little bit of interchange play down the right. Gibson got in, and I we thought first, didn't we, that his shot was blocked by mm. the defender and made it easy for the keeper to say, I've watched it back on the thing now. I think Gibson's actually trying to pick out Gordon, who had a tap in mm. in, the, in the middle, and it was really actually really good play by Gibson to do that rather than go for the shot. Unfortunately, the defender, and I'd say their defence did really well in this game, um, mm. got a great block in, and the keeper was able to pick it up. And then later on, they had a couple of little chances, wasn't there? There was a um, header that was easy to save by Holy, and then the, the best chance of the lot they had was came from our breakaway, where Guy gave away the ball a bit sloppily. They got in down the right, and um, the ball was cut back to their left-back, who hit a low shot that was going well wide. And <laughs> Davidson tr- basically sort of threw himself at it and... and mm deflected it and it could have gone anywhere mm. and he deflected the ball it would have been a proper smashing grab if that had gone in yeah but like, we were right behind it and we were, like, we were panicking because we thought that was going in and thankfully it flew wide and at that point the game was over wasn't it I think we we saw the game after that and uh, yeah. yeah so we, we ended up with um, a point from uh, interesting Simo's post-match comments wasn't there he, he was he was quite happy with it wasn't he from what he said he seems to be quite comfortable with the result yeah, I think so. You know, like I said before, it's about avoiding defeat, really. And I think, especially given that the teams around us didn't do well, um, yeah. it's just about sort of keeping, keeping going and keeping on 
putting points on the board and come the end of the season we might look back on that point and say yeah that was a very good point yeah definitely right uh, we've got a six second review from Dan he's he's done one for us because he can't be with us today on the episode so he's told us his thoughts on his first trip to AFC Wimbledon uh, away from home you can never complain at a clean sheet and a point but uh, I think we were the better team uh, I, was, I was disappointed by Wimbledon for home team I didn't think they offered too much uh, didn't, they didn't show much attacking wise and bar that chance in the, the very last minute Thomas Hawley didn't have that much to do for me uh, us, uh, we just we didn't quite click up front, uh, but we were the better team. And there was there was a period in the, the later half of the second half where you thought the goal was coming, and we had, we had two or three decent chances, and just we couldn't we couldn't hit the net with uh, any of them. But uh, no, you know it's a point away from home, clean sheet, which is always good, and with two home games in a week, you know, a great chance to get six points and really. Uh, firm up our place in the top three. Pretty fair assessment there, I think yep. it's fair to say. He's basically repeating what we said, isn't he, in terms of they didn't really have a chance till the last minute. And he mentioned he was a bit disappointed with them, but I have to say, <clears throat> sorry, just commenting on them. Um, they didn't really threaten Holy's goal at all, did they? That's the one thing that stood out. They didn't really have an attacking threat. I mean, Josh Davidson's the lad who was at Swindon and he scored against us in that 3-0 defeat after when Millen got sacked. Mm. Last season, I wasn't overly impressed with him. I don't think he offered anything at all for them. Their main tactic first half was basically to launch it up to Harry Pell, wasn't it? He was playing sort of as a, a number 10 just behind yeah. Davidson as his main attacker, wasn't he? And he didn't... The thing is, he was up against Feeney Flav and Feeney won most of the headers, didn't he? Despite the yeah. height difference. It was it was noticeable, that. And yeah, he didn't really offer anything. I'm surprised they stuck with him for so long, to be honest. He, re- he really didn't look a a great threatening attack. What I would say is, you can see why they don't concede many goals, can't you? Yeah, you really can. I, I was really impressed with them defensively, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we're the best attacking team in the league, so yeah, yeah, it, so if, if we can't get a goal against them, then, yeah. yeah. Shows how good they are defensively. I, I feel like they've not got enough to get in the playoffs. I think as much as they're in touch with them, I don't think they're going to be in the top seven come the end of the season. I think they've, they're just lacking a little bit in attack. I think for them, for me, if I was them, I'd be looking at this is the learning curve for the rest of the season, maybe blooding some young players in, yeah. get, getting yourselves ready for next season. Because they, if they can keep that defensive unit together mm. and add a bit of a talent to the attack, they'll be a threat next season, definitely. Absolutely, mm. I think they really will do. And mm. and to be honest, I can see them pinching a few points here and there for the end of the season against some of the teams that are around us. So that might be a real advantage to us, actually. To be definitely, fair. yeah. So, yeah. Um, in, in terms of talking points, defensively, Thought we were excellent in this game, Mike. I thought we really stepped yeah. up in terms of. Uh, to be fair, we've been really good in most of the games recently, and the goals we've conceded, the ones we've gifted to other teams, even against Harrogate, we were very good defensively by that mistake, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I think um, one player that really impressed me defensively, and he hasn't always got credit for it defensively, Joel Senior. I yeah. thought he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, there was a moment right near the end. Um, where they were kind of breaking away, and he sprinted like half the length of the pitch to just block the cross from, from getting in, um, which shows that you know he's got the fitness now to be doing that in the last in the last minute, and hopefully you know he's got the fitness to be playing on Tuesday. I, yeah, I don't it, know if that might be a bit too much, but yeah, it was it was it Jai Yassimi, wasn't it? I think you or was it? Um, oh no, it was I think it might have been Janner actually. 
Janu got away down the left and he was flying down the left and it looked mm. like he was going to get in and get across in and he kept him all the way, got right to the corner flag and slid and he, and he did it perfectly because I kept thinking, right, just take him out of take out yellow here. But no, he didn't. Mm. He was he, he was absolutely right. He just kept with him, kept with him. When the chance came, right, I'll go in. But then, as you mentioned, there was another chance actually where they got in down the left side of the box and the lad had a chance to shoot and he got across and got a great blocking as well. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, defensively great. And coming forward, actually, he offered a threat. And I, there was a few times where Gibson, Moxon and Guy all could have picked him out on the right when he was in and, and mm. they didn't. And I think there needs to be a little bit more belief in him there because he got in some really good positions. And yeah, I, for me, now he's back in there and he's had his little break. It's his place to lose for me. I think he should be staying in there for now. Obviously, Jack yeah, is definitely. back fit again, and you might be able to, you know, rotate them a little bit. But for me, if he, if he can play like that defensively and add that attacking flair, we know he's got. I think he'd be a really big threat for the rest of the season. You mentioned, yeah, obviously- I mean, well, I was just going to say, like Finn Back will be back later in the season. Yeah, but you I would forget ra- that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, but I would, I would rather because de- Senior is only a young lad, relatively yeah. speaking, you know, and I would rather be developing our player or players in Ellis yeah. as well. But um, at the same time, back. and I'm a big fan of him, back, but yeah. you know, it's one of those ones. Though back is a very good player, and it, 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 it's, it'll be very difficult when he's fit for Simmer to resist the temptation to drop him in. Mm. I'd almost be like in the situation where towards the end of the season, I'd say to to senior, we're going to put Finn back in for these last few games because you've had your run of a few months after your bad injury, mm. but we're, we're going to extend your contract basically. So mm. don't worry, you are staying. We just uh, we'll give you a good full summer to get yourself to full speed, and you can really go for it next season. That's the mm. way I'd handle it, but maybe Simeon will handle it differently. Um, so yeah, you mentioned senior. I've got to pick out one thing that actually I thought him and actually because on who scored dot com, uh, Jordan Gibson got man in the match with seven point eight. He's another talking point we'll look at in a sec, but Paul Huntington I thought was outstanding this game. I thought that was a real sort of. Stepping up after you know a tough time last week mm. with the own goal against uh, Harrogate, there was a funny moment early on, wasn't there, where he had the ball and um, he was looking to pass back to Holy, and Holy very deliberately went out quite wide, and Huntington played it out very wide. And we're like, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's a knowing moment from the pair of them. Yeah, let's get it right this time. And yeah, and yeah, I thought the connection between the, the defense and Holy was great in this game. And Huntington, he's just so clever. That's one of the reasons Davidson looks so poor because he was constantly. He had him in his pocket, basically, didn't he? He was kept an eye on him for the whole game. Won all his headers, little shoves and nudges. Constantly in the ear of the referee, but not in a, you know, barking at him way, just talking mm. to him, talking through the game. So, yeah, really good form to him. And I, I'd say, on a flip side, Alex Pierce for them. Interestingly, he only got 6.7 on who scored, whereas the other defender got more. I thought Alex Pierce was brilliant for them as well. You yeah, can tell he's an experienced centre-back. Mm. He, he marshaled Garner and Dennis fairly well. They did get in a few times, but... Generally, he was very good with his little shoves and nudges and heading the ball and just getting rid of it when he has to. So I think you can see they both have very similar roles in our two teams. Don't they? I think Huntington's probably a little bit better on the ball than Pierce, but two really clever players, I have to say. Um, yeah, oh, my, my screen's gone off there, sorry. Um, what's the other talking points? Oh, well, Moxon. Well, well I was just going to say, so we're sort of like... Naming the defenders one by one, pretty yeah. much. Uh, one thing I would say, Mellish, and obviously you know I'm a massive fan of Mellish. Yeah. But and he he was getting forward well, and he was causing a few problems. But he's always eager to overlap armor when sometimes I think an underlap could be a better option because yeah, it, doing the overlap he kind of has to go further. He has to travel further yeah. to get all the way round. Whereas sometimes to underlap he just run in a straight line. 
And, you know, we, we saw him underlap um, earlier in the season at home mm. to Gillingham, and, he, and yeah. he scored from doing that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's a, a tactical thing from Simo or if that's just, like, Mellish's preference. Yeah, I do wonder if he, if he does the overlap as well. He leaves the space on the underlap position for Gibson and for Moxon to be there and receive True. the ball as well, so that might be it, possibly. Mm. But, yeah, you're right. And I actually think Mellish had another good game defensively, to be fair, as well. He, oh, yeah. His rating, you know, and I keep mentioning who scored the comedy, it's interesting because it's all statistical based. And his rating is actually the poorest of our, well, second poorest after the two strikers of our team, mm. 6.3. But I think that's because, as a defender, he gets forward so much and he gets so involved in passing. Mm. He's going to make mis- He's going to lose the ball. He's going to make mistakes compared against yeah. Feeney and Huntington, who keep it very simple, generally. So, so there you go. Um, Owen Roxon, not quite as his best in this one. I don't think. Yeah, I think, I think the early booking sort of yeah limited him. Hundred really. percent. I think that 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 had an effect. Obviously, he got back from his dead leg. He didn't look like physically he was affected. We should say, but a couple of little sloppy passes, maybe trying to be too clever a couple of times. And mm. as you mentioned, though, the, the booking definitely made a difference because he, and he it was gets a very there. soft booking. I mean, the thing is, I, at that point, I thought he set a precedent near the referee, and he didn't. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the ref briefly. I mean, I thought he was. Dreadful. Not, no, no, like made decisions he got wrong, but he just itty bitty constantly giving free kicks and like talking to the back on, on corners. Every time he was content, he's like, "There's nothing really wrong with what they're doing." There's a little bit of pushing and shoving. You're always going to get that. Just, mm. just let them take the corner, and if something happens, mm. blow for a mm. free kick or a penalty. Mm, exactly. Um, and I, I, I mean, we sort of flagged up, didn't we, before the game that <laughs> the referee is very card happy. Um, yeah. And I think he gave the Moxon booking and then realised after that, he's like, oh no, I, I said to myself before the game, he wasn't going to dish out stupid <laughs> cards. I need, to, I need to rein this in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, because like you said, I thought it had set a precedent and if he gives it a yellow for that, he should have given a hell of a lot more yellow cards because oh, it was... some silly it was, tackles going on. Yeah, it? it was very soft. But uh, one thing I was actually impressed with him by is that every single time... Wimbledon put the ball in the box. Their fans were shouting a handball, even even if it was at like foot height. There was there was, was one that hit that hit Feeney on the the heel, and they screamed handball. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, every t- I mean, the, I don't know. There's you know the local branch of Specs says the shutdown in Wimbledon, but <laughs> it seems like there's a bit of a, a, a sight issue down there. I mean, some of them were ridiculous. I mean, some of them were hitting chests and stuff, and. There's no way there were handballs, and the ref had a very good view of all of them. And yeah, he, he but some referees, out. like after consistently saying no, eventually cave in to that yeah. kind of pressure. Um, so I was quite impressed that he uh, that he didn't cave in, but he just he didn't really let the game flow no, very much. No, he, you know? he, was, he was poor in that sense. He, like I said, he doesn't referee a huge amount of games each season. It's, it's, it's a strange one. So, so there you go. Um, yeah, uh, Jordan Gibson, another good game for him. Yes, yeah. with him playing in the number ten role, I think he obviously, like I mentioned, he was the top rated on uh, whoscored.com. He, you know, his use of the ball was very good. He wins the ball back so well in that position as well. Um, just a couple of there was a couple of times that I can understand why he was doing it because one of those games where we needed, we were struggling to maybe find that final ball on the edge of the box. He was trying to get himself into a position to shoot, and I kind of thought, just play to senior, get out yeah. wide to senior, and get the ball in the box, get yourself into the box, to maybe get yeah. him on the end of it, but. Uh, it's a minor complaint there. The only other complaint we've got is free kicks. Have a break from them, Jordan. <laughs> I don't think free kicks are his thing at the moment, really. It's no. been two or three recently where he's tried that 
sort of side footed dipping one and it just, ball, it just doesn't work. It just, mm. just just leave it, Jordan. It's, it's not it's not your thing. So uh so yeah, so what watch him score now. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. I know I've said that he's hundred percent yeah. score. That's just be typical of but there you go. So yeah, no, another great performance for him. He's keeping his place in the team. So before we wrap up and, and get on to talking about a little bit about the league series also then on to the Mansfield preview, Mike. Um similar tactics this one. So we were a bit surprised by the, the front two, weren't we? We the feeling is it, it doesn't in that situation, it didn't work. It might in others, but in that one, it, it didn't feel like the right one. Um, in terms of subs, what's your thoughts on that? Like for like is basically the only thing we're doing at the moment in terms of that. Would you like to see it mix up? Would you like to see maybe him go, right, let's change the midfield up slightly in some of these um, games? Well, I mean, I think you can make like for like subs that do slightly change the way that yeah. we are set up. You know, I mean, Patrick is completely different to say Garner in, in what he yeah. offers you know while yeah. they're both players a striker um, Patrick can get a little bit wider mm-hmm. um, and isolate himself against the fullback sometimes and um, that's good and I, th- I think there was no need to change the tactics because we were on top um, yeah. I think it was wise just to change personnel and freshen things up um, but yeah for, I mean for me like I said before I think you need a Garner and a Dennis with a Patrick and a Gordon. You, yeah. P- playing sort of, you know, Garner and Dennis together, for me, it just, it doesn't give you enough variety in what you can do on the attack. Yeah. I think I think it could work in some games. I did, it didn't, before and we were like, we weren't quite sure where we were kind of like, oh, kind of feels like it's a missed opportunity to put a bit of pace in there and sort of test pace, you know, for his pace, you know, because he's not, you know, he's not the youngest player at the end of the day. So, so yeah, a little bit of a shame there. Um, in terms of the League 2 results, Mike, quickly before we go on to previewing the um, the Manchester game, I mean, a great weekend for us, really, in terms of what happened, wasn't it? And, yeah. Know, we couldn't have asked for much better. I'm looking through them here. I mean, in terms of the top five, we're the only ones who didn't lose, aren't we? Mm, exactly. So, I mean, Orient, obviously, um, they got a draw at Walsall. Probably not the worst result in the world for them. They'll probably look at that thinking. But they had to come from behind in that one. The big one, Stevenage, losing three mm-hmm. two at home against Bradford. I mean, mm-hmm. does that make you think more worry that Bradford might be finding? It? I mean, that's a first win in four, but they actually they're unbeaten in four as well. Bradford did three draws in a row before this. So yeah, I mean, Bradford, I feel like have been threatening. I feel like for a while it's been a case of if they can get a few wins together, they might be kind of a bit of an unstoppable force. They're a bit. I'm glad that we've already played they? them twice. Really, well, I haven't. Because it was oh no, we haven't, have we? No, <laughs> forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, we've still got to play them in March. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll be flying by that ourselves. But there you go. Um, yeah. So obviously, they lost. I mean, uh, sorry, they won Bradford in that game against Stevenage. Um, Northampton. Um, I'm trying to find the results here. Sorry, it's disappeared. They up on one draw at Rochdale. Not a great mm. result for them there, really. You know, you expect a bit better from them. Mm. Um, and with that one, they got an 89th minute equaliser as well. So mm. tight for them. Um, Salford City. They suffered a one 0 defeat at Tranmere. I mean, normally you think, oh, that's you know not worst result in the world, but Tranmere not doing well this season. So, mm. so there you go. Um, big shout out to Barrow for managing to mess it up in the ninety fifth <laughs> minute against Newport. Uh, I mean, we we watched back. That Pete Wilde had a quite angry reaction to the red card, and that and I thought oh, he's going to be ridiculous. You know, he's going to be moaning about nothing here, really. And we watched it back, and actually, he might have a point, mightn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it looked a bad decision. That 
But he moans about referees every single week, and yeah. even when we lost against Leighton Orient, which many fans will agree was the worst refereeing performance that many of us have ever seen, yeah. Simo didn't blame the ref. He said it was our mistakes that cost us the game. Yeah, you know. Um, we got so, the apology but, in the end, but you know, don't yeah, make any difference, but, so. no. But when you're blaming the ref every week, it just kind of gets taken with a pinch of salt. It's, in the it's end. silly, isn't it? Isn't it? There you go. Right. Well, we'll take a short break then, Mike, and we'll come back and we'll discuss the Mansfield game. Hi, I'm Thomas Holy, and you are listening to Brunton Bugle. There you go, big Tomash to take us into the second half. I thought it was an appropriate one with a clean sheet under the belt. Is that 12 or 13 for the season now? I can't remember. I think it's 13, I think. 13, oh, that's great effort when you look at action. You think yeah, that... I mean, he's been robbed of some clean sheets massively in uh, in previous weeks, so yeah, it's, it's exactly. good for him to finally get one. So 13 in 30 games, that's a, that's a great effort to be fair. And actually, mm. he's, he's, he's getting close to beating Kieran Westwood's record which was at 19 I think yeah so if he can keep what 7 in his last 16 games I mean for, for keepers generally you know obviously strikers typically aim to get 20 plus goals yeah. for keepers it's like 15 plus clean sheets is like yeah. a good season yeah um, so yeah he's, he's well on track to get that yeah great stuff um, I should note as well actually we only need one more point to equal last season's record 53 points we got last season, mm. we're on 52 now. That, 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 that's something that fans who whinge about any sort of results at the moment need to take stock of, really, mm. and how far we actually have come in 12 months. And bear in mind, we still haven't hit the first anniversary of Simo taking over. Mm. Uh, that, that's, that's the astonishing thing for me. Mm. You know, the, the turn... The way things have gone since then, it's just it's remarkable, remarkable. The last yeah, year, so. and, and 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 to be fair, like the majority of fans stayed behind to applaud the team yesterday. You know, because yeah. uh, it isn't you know it's not always great when you don't get a win, but I think the fans are just they appreciate the effort, they appreciate the journey that Simo and these lads have yeah. taken us on, and yeah, we're all in it together, really. Yeah, absolutely. Right into the second half of the show. Uh, it's the Mansfield Town uh, home game preview. Um, first up, behind enemy lines. Uh, the Mansfield Matters podcast we spoke to this week. Clive was our guest. Um, what did we talk about? We talked about their long-serving spell in League 2. I think they're the joint longest-serving alongside Newport County. Uh, whether Nigel Clough is going to be the man to take them forward, having you know not quite got them promotion yet. And the whole Danny Johnson side and what's going on there in terms of his recall and whether they actually want to keep him or not. It's a bit, bit, bit of a bad one on that one. So here's the chat I had with Clive. So yes, it's time for the Behind Enemy Lines section of the podcast uh, where we, we talk to an opposition fan about uh, how things are getting on their club and this week we've got Clive from the Mansfield Matters podcast. How are you doing, Clive? Hello, Lee. I'm, I'm splendid. Thank you very much. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Right, so we're going to get straight into it. Let's talk about Mansfield Town. Um, you guys came to this season as third favourites. When we did our pre-season preview in terms of the bookies odds, you, you guys came in as third favourites. You find yourself in sixth place in the playoff places with 17 games to go. Is there a feeling of a bit of disappointment about the season or do you think it's about right where you are? Uh, table doesn't lie. We It's about right where we are. I think, yes, there's a sense of disappointment because the expectation was high. Um, we finished last season particularly well all mm. the way up until the Wembley appearance when we didn't show. Yeah. Um, and um, Port Vale deservedly beat us easily on the day. So inevitably we were going to start this season as one of the favourites and certainly the club has a reputation for being adequately funded to buy players. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't guarantee a thing and we've stuttered badly this year. 
And some of our players seem to be made of glass. We've had more injuries this season than I could ever remember. I'm old enough to be a fan of 50 years and I've never known a squad so brittle as the one we've got. And they're not injuries that you lose a player for a week or two. Yeah. They're three and four months jobs. And in fact, you know, last season we lost a player for the whole season. Our main striker is on his second long-term injury for this season. I doubt we'll see him again before the end. So every time we seem to get a little bit of headwind, something happens. Now, at the moment, we've just about regained some positivity. Mm. So I'm really looking forward to Tuesday night because I think Carlisle will be a real measure for Mansfield Town. In terms of the way you are, yeah, definitely, I agree. And I know, I know what you mean about injuries because we, we had, I mean, our first half of our season was a nightmare for us. As anyone who's listened to our pod will know, we, we had a period where I think for about three months we had 10 players out injured. Yeah. It was never the same 10 players. It was like there's four or five of them were long-term. And then there was the other four or five just seemed to rotate among the squad. It was just ridiculous. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. we bought four players in the window, in yeah. the January window, and two of them are out long-term already after one oh, game. Wow. wow. Who's, we had a game... That Reed, uh, is that, I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bradford last week, at half-time, we'd used all five subs because of injuries. Yeah, I saw that. Clough said something, didn't he, about the fact that because of this, the rule about the number of windows you have for subs yeah. and and I, I always thought the windows only apply to the second half but it, apparently it's the whole game except half time so essentially because yeah. you we ran out of we, we ran yeah. out of slots apart from the yeah. half time one yeah. and so he had to make a decision to use his two remaining options yeah at half time as it turned out the the team was better for it yeah and we gave Bradford a really good run in fact on a, on another day would have taken all three points yeah um and I, I want to make a point at this point that Mark Hughes is the biggest marred arse <laughs> I've ever come across in my uh, life. We had that at the end of last season. He, he started a little uh, little shoving contest with our assistant manager on the last day of the season. He's, he's a, a child in a man's clo- clothes. He really is awful. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the funniest thing about the Bradford game last week, they had a ball boy who was forever uh, denying our players the ball when it was our turn for a throw-in. Yeah. To the point where it looked like he'd been told to do it. Yeah. Anyway, eventually, the, whoever controls their ball boys had to, to go and drag him away and take him up. was taking him up the stand when uh, <laughs> taking up the steps to the stand when, um, and all the all the fans were applauding this um, <laughs> this boy and they're all looking at him rather than at the pitch. Yeah. At that very moment, we scored the equaliser. It was poetic. Yeah, that reminds me of us of Tranmere last season when into injury time it was. 2-1 to them and they were down to nine men and the ball came into the that little the main stand bit at the front and one of their fans grabbed the ball and he booted it high into the stand again and there was like I think there was six minutes added on at the end and he did it twice the ball came back down to him and he booted him back up the stand again the ref added on an extra two minutes and guess when we scored the equaliser <laughs> in those two minutes so he was uh, not not the most popular fan amongst their supporters anyway um, you guys are the joint longest serving team in League 2 alongside Newport how frustrating is that, that you can't get your way out of the division? Obviously, you came up as champions from the National League. And you've only maybe, there's only been a couple of seasons where you've been close to being in danger of going down. but not really in danger, realistically. No. But you've only made the playoffs once in that time. Is that, especially with the backing that your owner clearly gives you, is that a little bit frustrating? Uh, uh, on one hand, it is. But on the yeah. other hand, we, we still have painful memories of the National League. Yeah. And the fact we're not in that is uh, some compensation. Close to us, we've got two, you know, what would be argued to be big teams in form of Notts County and Chesterfield, yeah. big local rivals for us. 
uh, and they are struggling like anybody else in that yeah. league to to get out of it. And it's a it's a horrible place to be in and oh, a, yeah. a difficult one to get out of. And and this season it looks like Knotts and Wrexham are the favourites. It looks um, like they're going to get a hundred points each, doesn't it? Which is insane. Yeah. Only one of them will go up automatically. No, and no, they're both getting gates that can you know approach ten thousand mm. uh, fans on average. I mean, Knotts had one of seventeen thousand early in yeah. the season. So I mean, they ought to be uh, the stature of their particular clubs ought to put them back in the league. But it doesn't mean anything. No. You know, it's not that long ago you got your Luton Towns and, and Lincoln Cities in, in yeah. the non-league as I mean, well. We were very lucky. We only had one season in there. We, we came back straight away. One of the few teams that have. So <laughs> it just goes to show, doesn't it? Of course, you go down in history as having that season when it was only your, goal, your on-loan goalkeeper who scored yeah. that prevented you from getting relegated. It was, that was kind of delaying the inevitable because five years later we did go down. <laughs> which yeah. is but there you go. But I have to yeah. say, well, Stags fans, and it's a shame it's on a Tuesday evening because that will reduce the number of people that can get there. Mm. Um, we always look forward to Carlisle. It's, it's one of those places we enjoy. It's traditional. It's a town, perhaps a city in some people's eyes, but it's an insular sort of place. And, and there's no, if, you're in, if you live in the area, there's only one club you can possibly yeah, um, exactly. align with. And, uh, you know, it's a good old journey. It's, it's a, you have to be determined to go. Uh, I and it's a it's a funny old ground as well, you know. It's 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 I'll call it old school. I think. Old mixture of old school and new, isn't it? It's, it's a mishmash our ground. It's fair. Yeah, so. I mean the yeah. stand that accommodates the um, the away fans is mm. it's it's out of line with the pitch. Well, but, that, yeah. that that's due to a long term plan of uh, Mr. Michael Knighton to move the whole pitch a bit further north. To, yes, to build a bigger stand behind the goal, which he only built one of the stands, which tells you all you need to know about the fella. Um, yeah. Nigel Clough. Let's talk about him. What's the general feeling on him? I mean, he was obviously brought in and there was a lot. I, mean, I remember when he was brought in and we were all like, wow, that is a hell of an appointment for, for League Two. There's an obvious connection of him living fairly locally around that way, you know, that kind of thing. But it seemed like that's a really smart appointment. Somebody could potentially get you up and out of this league. His contract's yeah. up in this summer, isn't it? Is there a feeling of that if he doesn't get you promoted, he's gone at the end of the season? Or would uh, give think, it a bit more I time? think most people would expect that. Um, mm. You know, he's a... He's a an individual with a big reputation, yeah, um, and uh, and his father before him, of course, yeah, uh, and to that extent, it, it brings a certain gravity to his position. But he, he comes with a lot of baggage. I mean, his his management team is huge. You know, mm. his his brother is a full time recruitment specialist. He's got an assistant manager we never see. Um, mm. I mean, a full time coach. And he's got, you know, he's got a backroom team which really is is a luxury at this level. Yeah. So we, the club is right to demand success. Yeah. Um, the owners are reasonably patient, but I would have thought they this season. I think it's had a little bit more time because of the impact of COVID. Yeah, and yeah. the lockout. But I think this season we we would have expected to get in. The, if we finish in the playoffs this year, and he wants to renew his contract, I think he'll get it. Yeah, but yes. if we don't finish in the playoffs, I think it's time for a change anyway. Yeah, that, that would make sense. What's the feeling on the style of play he plays? Because from experience of seeing his teams in the past, they're very strong and physical. But I remember when you playing you guys early season, it was a good contest between us two. It was a nil-nil, I think. And mm-hmm. one we probably could have nicked on the night with a couple of the chances we wasted. But, but yeah, The nickname of uh, Mr. Clough at the moment at Mansfield Town is Negative Nigel. Oh. Um, he thinks a 1-0 win is the perfect solution. Um, yeah. And of course, if you won every game 1-0, you'd be champions. But um, the reality is we haven't had a good enough defence 
not just this season, but the last season, to uh, keep clean sheets on a regular basis. Yeah. And in fact, until Ollie Hawkins was sold to Moneybags Club Gillingham <laughs> during the window, he was our main striker who played yeah. in the centre of defence yeah. because we didn't have orthodox defenders. And the mm. ones we had were either out of uh, form, out of favour or injured. And so uh, now we've got Alfie Kilgore, who we got from Bristol Rovers. Yeah. He's a proper, proper defender. You know, yeah. he, he knows what his job is and that's what he does. And he played yesterday alongside a young loney from Nottingham Forest. Um, and they make a really good central pair. And it was no mistake, we had a clean sheet yesterday. Yeah. So. There you go. Oh, when I uh, say yesterday, of course, for the purpose of the podcast, I mean on Saturday. <laughs> yes, Saturday, yeah, obviously. Um, I, I want to talk about the Danny Johnson saga. <laughs> what, what has gone on there? I mean, brought in with quite a bit of fanfare, uh, started last season, obviously because he'd had such a good season at Leighton Orient before that. Um, clearly didn't work out. He's had a loan spell the first half of the season of Walsall, where it's worked brilliantly for him. Probably a bit too well in the end, uh, as you know he was getting Walsall on the verge of the playoffs, and you guys decided to recall him. And there was talk that he was going to be sold to all kinds of clubs. It sounded like you didn't want to sell him to um, Walsall, but Colchester and Hartlepool were reportedly interested in him. Um, Apparently, and, there were three he, clubs made a, made a bid for him, yeah. and he didn't want any of them. Yeah, and I they, think they the lad's local edge? enough, yeah. and he wants to stay fairly local. And I think Walsall suited the, as a compromise. Yeah. I don't think anybody comes out of this well. No. Um, Mansfield Town's owners don't enhance their reputation because the original deal was for a sale, I think. Yeah. And it was in the 11th hour that they said, no, no, we don't want to sell him now. You can have him on loan till January. Yeah. Which gave us options, of course. And, of course, yeah. we just assumed in January that Walsall would come up with a dollop of money and, and take him off yeah. our hands. Um, and there was a bit of brinkmanship between Walsall and Mansfield. As a result of it, that option disappeared. And, of course, when he came back to us uh, from Walsall, if we played him at any point, we were only then able to either keep him or sell him to Walsall. We couldn't have gone yeah. to any other club. So we were holding him back off the pitch so that if any of the other clubs that had shown an interest were serious, we had that opportunity to sell but he wasn't having any of that and he's made it clear that he's only going to sign anywhere up until the end of the season which means he's worthless as a, from a fee point of view now both he and the club are making all the right noises and saying all the right things um, he just wants to play football and see Mansfield succeed and Clough is saying yes he's part of our squad and uh, I'm sure we're going to make full use of him in the second half of the season and of course we'd like to see him get a dozen goals between now and the end of the season He's not played him. No. And I got the impression in terms of substitutions on Saturday, it would have been about fourth or fifth <laughs> sub. Um, so yeah. I don't think it's as sweet and lovely as they would like us to believe. I think there's been something gone off. Something's been said. There's been an attitude problem, I think, possibly. Yeah. But um, he's our player and we're paying him a decent salary. And quite honestly, if we need a goal scorer, we've got one. Yeah, I suppose you have really in that sense. And he's out of contract in the summer. I'm guess that'll probably be when he moves on. I'm guessing. Oh, well, I don't. I don't think there's any chance at all he'll be a Manchester Town player next season. No, certainly not. Um, January transfer activity. You, you've touched on it slightly already, but let's talk about that. You lost a couple of players to Gillingham. Um, yeah. One to Crawley. I see Lapsley is the one that stands out for me. That going to Gillingham seems an odd move, but I'm guessing he's out of contract, and that was a case of getting some money for him. Well, but then, as well they, as they, that, both the players that went to Gillingham have got. Yeah. Um, personal reasons for it being a benefit to them. Okay, Obviously, right. they're both southern-based families. Yeah. And um, th in both cases, 
it's been alleged that their salaries were doubled by moving to Gillingham. So well, these are players you can't blame them. At this level, you want to earn as much as you can. Um, and, and I think both of them left with a degree of blessing from the club and the fans. They'd performed well for us while they were here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other one, uh, Gordon, he's Mr. Sicknote. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, he'd, uh, <laughs> he'd hardly had any pitch time because... You've only got to breathe on him, and he breaks something. So, I think we uh, we're not unduly worried about him going to Crawley, and I don't think he played the weekend either because he's already injured. So, <laughs> well, there you go, smart move then. That in the end, wasn't it? In terms of coming in, you've obviously mentioned already. Um, you've had one of the, I think Lewis Reed is one of the ones who's out, isn't he? Probably for yeah, quite yeah. a while now. And Callum Johnson from uh, Ross County, I think it was. He, he looks a decent addition, but I mean, the, the two that do stand out, as you mentioned, Kilgore already, but also uh, Keely Dunn. Because he's a player I've always really liked at this level when he was at Oldham. He looked a really good attacking midfielder, chipping with a few goals. How has he settled in so far? Well, he's only played one full game, and he is oh. he, <laughs> a part of the Bradford game, um, which I think he's not quite fit yet, but he, he certainly gave a good account of himself. Yeah. Uh, I see him as being a, a, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet going forward. Um, he's an attacking midfielder, and that's really useful. And, uh, and I think he's better than Lapsley. Yeah. But that's to be proven. Yeah, I mean, he certainly chipped in a fair few goals when he was at Oldham, didn't he? And if he, maybe the step. He scores good goals. That's what I like about. It. If you look at his portfolio goals, they're really good ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he scores with his both feet and his head. I mean, you, you can't ask for anything else. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it's one of those weird ones. Burton have signed a few players of this level in recent seasons, and Keely Dunn's one. But they also signed a Mary Patrick from us, and he left after half season there as well. He just can. I don't know if whether it was the step up to League One or just. Burton wasn't the right club, but it seems like Burton let a lot of players go not long after signing for them. So, Well, they've had a turnover of managers as well in that yeah. period, so I think That's that doesn't help. And so, each manager will have his own opinion about individual players. And, uh, and I know we, we, have a, we, we take the mickey out of Clough because he's always raiding his old pond. <laughs> you know, we always say, when, we, when it's uh, window time, how many more players can there be at Burton Albion well, we, for him we, to go and get? We had a spell where when Chris Beach was our manager, we were signing players who'd played for Bradford City in one particular season. And we were convinced that he just, the only DVD he owned was Bradford City Reserves highlights <laughs> from the 2019-20 season, I think it was. They all turned out to be good players, most of them, to be fair as well, but there you go. Um before we sort of wrap it up, in terms of the rest of your squad, who are the sort of danger men to pick up? I mean, James, I'll say St- uh, Stephen Quinn's one I've always really liked. I mean, he's played at a higher level, hasn't he? And there's a few, I mean, Lucas Aikens as well is someone who's been around the block a lot. Stephen Quinn's a proper fireball. Um, yeah. he's, he's absolutely, his game's full of passion. Yeah. Um, as a consequence, he does get his fair share of uh, disciplinary problems. And he's Irish as well, so it makes him a bit fiery. But <laughs> he's he brings a degree of... Um, of talent that is born out of experience as indeed we've got James Perch who's played at the highest yeah. level although his legs have gone now so you yeah. know these are old players for a, for a League 2 side Quinn we reckon is a 60 minute man and, and Perch is fine providing you've got runners around him to take yeah. the take the work yeah. uh, I think uh, you mentioned um, sorry who else did you mention? Lucas Aikens Lucas Aikens yeah he's a big strong lad but he doesn't impose himself as much as we'd like him to I mean he scored twice in the last two games he's a he's a good target man because you can send awful passes to him and he'll make something out of them yeah nine times out of ten he doesn't always do the right thing when he's got it but you've a real chance and because he's an imposing sort of player he drags two defenders around with him wherever he goes and when he's playing as part of the strike force he's 
he's well worth his place. Unfortunately, Clough's played him as a, a makeshift defender on too many occasions, and quite honestly, he looks out of place. Yeah, yeah. And Clough has this habit of playing players where they shouldn't be. So one, one he, thing to be fair, Paul Simpson doesn't do for us, frankly. He tells no. six people where they are. You, you remember we used to have a, a a manager of somewhat repute in in terms of Steve Evans. Yes, and he left our club in in shame because of the way he left. He lied <laughs> and all the rest that, of it. Yeah. Um, but whatever you think about him on a personal level, I think I detest the bloke. But he he knows how to set up a league two football club, yes, and he knows not to mess around in a four four two all the way. He knows how to yeah, do it, exactly. and I just wish Clough would play a, a a similar sort of simplicity role. But he would argue it's about make if you've got key players out, you want utility players. Well, if yeah. you end up with a team of utility players, you're never going to win anything. Yeah, because you haven't got someone who actually is good in that specific position. Well, we, have, so. we haven't got a really good centre forward, for instance. I mean, the yeah. lad who, who plays centre forward is is the one that's injured at the moment. Yeah. Um, we got from uh, Hartlepool when they oh, came. Reece up. Oates, yeah, yeah, it's a good lad. He, he works hard, but he's he's a bit foolish. He gets involved yeah. in uh, things that hurt him when he shouldn't yeah. do. And they're not yeah. in an effort to score a goal. These are in the middle of the park. He just get, gets exasperated. Um, yeah. But I think we have a, a better squad now than we had six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. even allowing for the injuries that we, no one could have expected. And I think we'll give Carlisle a better game on Tuesday than we would have done had it been six weeks earlier. Mm. So I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, Carlisle are not, uh, not in, in the wrong part of the, uh, the table. They're, they're there on merit. And uh, we've always come away from uh, Brunton Park with very few points. So I'm hoping we're going to break that particular uh, voodoo on Tuesday. I guess you don't. <laughs> well, yeah, certainly don't. Um, right, you've been very generous with your t- time. Thank you very much, Clive. Uh, before we finish, have you got a prediction for the game? One all. One all. Simple as that. That, that sounds about right. I mean, to be honest, at the moment, we're a bit, we've had a great run of form. We've had a couple of sticky results. So it may, may, may well end up being a draw. And I think if we got that and then we beat Colchester the weekend, I think we'd probably be quite happy with yes, that. Yes, and I think... <laughs> There wouldn't be a Stags fan who was unhappy with a point, I'll tell you now. I mean, we'd be elated with three, but uh, obviously we would. But uh, I think uh, we're not quite there. And I think you guys are on it at the moment. So we'll see. Cheers, Clive. And all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. Thanks very much for inviting me to your podcast. No problem. Uh, thanks once again for Clive for giving up his time to talk about all things Mansfield Town. So, uh, right, let's get on with the rest of the uh, preview. Um, Referee for this game. He's Mr. Ben Toner from Lancashire. Uh, it's his eighth season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 28 games so far this season, handing out 85 yellows and one red card. Last season, he handed out 89 yellow and four red cards in 31 games. The last game he took charge of was the 1-0 win at Scunthorpe United on New Year's Day last year. Big result that was, wasn't it, when you look back at it? Mm-hmm. You know, that really sort of kept us sort of just about in touch and, you know... It, Keeping ahead above water at the time. I should say, he did take charge of the uh, a Peter Trophy game against some team earlier this season for us, but I mean, <laughs> we don't count that as a real game, so that's not getting mentioned. Uh, it says a head-to-head, it's 87 meeting between the two sides. Quite a lot, actually. I wouldn't have thought we'd have played Mansfield that many times, but yeah, quite a few. Uh, 33 wins for United, 20 draws, and 33 wins for the Stags. So very, very equal mm. in terms of head-to-head. Your money would be on a draw, wouldn't you, based on that? Um, <laughs> yeah. Mansfield Town, what do you think of their squad? Mike, Dan, Mike. Mike, God, I'm too tired after that long day yesterday. I tell you what, what, it won a long day that was for us, I think it's fair to say. Um, Yeah, what what, what, what are your thoughts on their squad? 
Yeah, well, I think attacking options, they're very, very well off, aren't they, really? Um, I mean, you know, Danny Johnson, as you, as you sort of touched on uh, before, he he was actually an unused sub. Yeah, he's been on the bench three times since the com- he's come back from his loan spell at Warsaw. Mm. And he's he's been an unused sub twice, and he came out of the sub in the previous game to this one. Mm. And that's it. And and I, th- I think, you know, a lot of other clubs in this league would be starting every week. So, uh, obviously, Davis Keller done as well. Um, you know, we, we know he can score goals. He's not strictly a striker, I don't think. I think... He's an attacking he midfielder. Some... Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously... One... So I was going to say, he's one who, when he was at Oldham, I would have loved for us to sign him. I thought he was a really good attacking mm. midfield, a really good player. And mm. he obviously moved to Burst and it didn't quite work out there. So he's joined them in January, uh, Mansfield mm. on a permanent deal. So, so yeah, I agree with you. I think he's a very good player. Him. Yeah, and uh, Lucas Aikens as well. Um, I think he's played for Watford for a good few years, didn't he? Um, uh, did he only play for Watford? I think he mixed it with someone else there, I think, possibly. Am I? He was at Burton for a long time. Ah, I knew, I knew it was a team that wore yellow. <laughs> Yellow and ending, uh, you know, talking about a little bit, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll just double check that. Did he play for Watford? No, he didn't. He started at Huddersfield. Okay. He spell at Tranmere. Tranmere is the one you put it. Tranmere, Stevenage, Burton, and then he's in Mansfield now. He's 33 now. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. A bit, yeah. But no, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's one of those players, isn't he? Aikens, he's been around the block, but he, he certainly knows how to, to play at this level. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, the January business, some interesting moves, wasn't there? It's mm. fair to say. I mean... They've brought in Callum Johnson from Ross County. I think he's one who's very well thought of. Lewis Reed coming in from Swindon as well. He's one I think they really liked at Swindon. But um, obviously in terms of Danny Johnson coming back from his loan. And Alfie Kilgore actually from, from Bristol Rovers is a decent signing. But it's the departures that surprise me. Obviously, Callum Gordon going to Crawley, not really as... I don't think he's a particularly great player or anything. But it was George Lapsley and Ollie Hawkins both left to join uh, Gillingham. From mm. disclosed fees. I think they were both out of contract at the end of the season anyway. It's one of these weird ones. There seems to be a lot of it undisclosed fees going around for players mm. who are out of contract at the end of the season. Um, but Lapsley was a really good player. I was I was quite shocked to see him go, but it seems like there might have been a fallout at Clough there, possibly. Yeah, possibly. I mean, he's a little bit of a, shall we say, shithouse on the pitch. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if that behaviour is uh, sort of on the training ground as well. Um but yeah, what he signed for Gillingham, I thought straight away that's a cracking signing for them. But yeah, yeah. Go. But I think they they have traditionally had quite a few players on big wages, so it might have been a case of just getting them off the the wage bill. I don't yeah, know. I, I almost wonder when I saw those two moving in a little bit. The movement of what Johnny are they preparing themselves to potentially still have another good going in next season, knowing that they might miss out on promotion this year because they've had a bit of a. Hit and miss season, I think it's fair to say. I mean, in terms of, I'm just getting the League 2 table up here. They are in the playoff positions. They're only six points behind us at the moment. Mm. With the game in hand, it should be noted mm. as well. But it kind of feels like it's been a disappointing season for them because they were third favourites, weren't they, to, to go up this season? Mm. I mean, the, the big thing for me as well is Nigel Clough's out of contract at the end of the campaign. He was brought in with one job alone, wasn't he, to get them up, basically, because he's someone mm. who's done that before at this level. You know, he, he, he did a brilliant job at Burton. He was arguably a smaller club than Mansfield. You know, mm. not too far away from Mansfield, but a smaller club. And it's not really worked out the way they'd hoped, has it? No, and because when he first took over, they were like unstoppable. I think they like they won the first five I think, games. I feel like no, I think we played him quite early on when he took over. I think it was under COVID, wasn't it? It was one of the games where fans could go to, mm. and we beat them one 0 when we were flying at the top of League Two under Beach. But they were very good that day, and it mm. felt like a really imp- 
impressive result. Mm. But Jack Armour played at right wing back that day, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> back yeah. when he played, because he played a lovely curling box ball into the box for yeah. Patrick, I've seen some yeah. remember. But yeah, it, it, it kind of feels like, I don't know, he's he's done all right with them, but probably not as well as they'd hoped. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think that's probably the best way of describing it, yeah. Like, I, I certainly wouldn't say he's done a bad job. No. Um, far from it, but at the end of the day, it's a results-based business, and if they're not getting promotion, they may well look at somebody yeah. else. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm looking here as well, last thought, um, in, in terms of the form table, um, they've... They've actually not lost in the last four, to be fair. They've got a loss, yeah. loss in, in the last six and then drawn one, drawn one. So, again, mm. draw looks the safe bet for this one, doesn't it? But, um, mm. but yeah, they, they, they're just itty-bitty in terms of results and stuff. They, they, mm. they seem to have these little runs and then they you look at the, the, the lead to results and suddenly they've got a really duff one, haven't they? Um, yeah. Last time out, 1-2-0 at home against Gillingham. And that, that you know, most of the time you go, oh, you know, should we beat Gillingham at the bottom? But Gillingham are a very improved side at the moment. Yeah. So that looks a really good result, actually. I mean, I expect Gillingham to get themselves away from trouble soon. Um, but yeah, so that's that, a decent result from there. But again, as you mentioned, Danny Johnson, a new sub in that game. Mm-hmm. Which is a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I'm looking who the attacking options they've got out there. Is I'm, based on the, the lineup I've copied over from um, from Soccer Base, it looks like the attacker was Aikens mm. as a sort of lone striker almost, I think. Um, well, I think Keller Dunn sort of plays as like a, a shadow striker, I think they call yeah, it, where possibly, you're kind of an attacking yeah. midfielder, but you're bombing into the box a lot. Yeah. They did bring Jordan Bowery on later on, but he's more of a wide forward. Isn't he? So Johnson's clearly sort of... It's a strange one, isn't it? Recalling him from his mm. loan just to, you know, <laughs> not use just him. Just to hurt Walsall, basically. Yeah, essentially, that's the reason you look at it. And actually, it's hurt Walsall quite badly, because if you look, they're mm. down to 15th. They've got a few mm. games in hand because of their FA Cup run. Mm. But looking at it, they've only won one of the last six Walsall. Mm. So since he's gone back, lost, drawn, drawn. So it's not not been great for them, I think it's fair to say. Um, anything else to, to pick out from this one, I think? Uh, I, I just think it's one of those ones, isn't it, where you look at it and think, it's going to be a tough game. Would I take a point right now? Probably. If we can then maybe get a, a win from the Colchester game, but... I think if you if you seriously about going for a top three place, it's the game you've got to look to win, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting you say you take a point because there's been games this season where you would take a point and we've got all three. And I think yeah. that's what top, top sides do is they take three points from a game that you'd take one from. So, yeah, I think at, at home we should be aiming for all three. Um Certainly, you know, it'd be another great night at Brunton Park under the lights. Hopefully a good atmosphere. Because the last couple of Tuesdays, we had Hartlepool and Barrow, which you typically expect a slightly bigger crowd and yeah. a, a, a good atmosphere. Um, but where we are in the league, there's no reason why we can't get, you know, a decent crowd again for this, really. Yeah, Treat, treat your missus to a romantic night out at Brunton Park <laughs> for Valentine's exactly. night. Exactly. Fortunately, I'm not doing that. I'm treating it to a romantic night of watching the eye follow in mm. front of the telly, which I'm, she, I can tell you she's delighted about. Um, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, right. Um, yeah, in terms of team for this one, Mike, what, what are we doing with this one? I, mean, you, I think we're both in agreement you change up the attack. I think, personally, I'd bring in... I think I'd maybe try Dennison and um, Gordon for this one again. Go back to them. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you, you simply can't 
put Dennis on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> you know, g- given how many goals he scored uh, and as good as Joe Garner is. Uh, yeah, for me, you, ha- you have to start Dennis unless he's injured or unless oh. he's sort of still struggling from, you know, playing Wimbledon a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's one of those ones we've possibly putting Garner in is that we know what a shithouse Garner is and we know what Nigel Clough teams can be like, so it might not be a bad idea to have him in True. from the start, possibly. But, uh, but there you go. Uh, would you change anything else? My brother messaged me after the game, actually, the weekend, Blaine, and he said he felt Moxon needed a rest to sort of to be dropped, maybe to give him a little rest mm. or a slight kick up the arse, possibly, because he didn't feel like he played that well against um, Wimbledon. I disagree slightly on that, but would you change anything in terms of midfield, possibly? Well, I mean, with Moxon, you know, he had the dad leg, didn't he? And yeah. it was touch and go whether he'd play. And it might have been a case of he was okay to play, but he wasn't 100% over it. Yeah. Uh, so, he yeah. He seemed fine, to be fair. He didn't seem to be struggling at all. So, I, 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 I wonder with that one, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, for, for me, the midfield kind of picks itself, really. Uh, it's it's got to be the, the guy, Moxon, Gibson. Um, because in recent games, the three of them... They've got such a good understanding together, yeah. the three of them. Um, yeah, definitely. And they all they all know the role. And uh, yeah, the, for me, midfield pits itself, defense pits itself. Uh, hopefully, if if senior can handle, you know, a second game in a week, um, certainly start him. Um, and it's just attack that the debate is about. Really, yeah. uh, I th- think, like I said before, you can't really put Den- Dennis on the bench, um, mm. and it'd be him and. Do you know, I'd maybe start Patrick. I don't. I don't think he's at, he's had a start since he's uh, come back from injury this time round. No, I don't think he has actually. Tried. No, no way. No, he did against. Um, who was it against? It was against Harrogate, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. He started against Harrogate. That's the only one he started. Yeah. To come back. Um, so there you go. But yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd maybe start Dennis and uh, Dennis and Patrick and okay, bring on mix. bring on Garner and uh, Gordon. Mix it, up, mix it up a little bit, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, right, match predictions for this one. Obviously, in terms of the prediction total, we're still as we were in terms of points because none of us thought it would be a nil-nil draw. <laughs> um, what are you going for for this one? Uh, I'm going to go for a 2 nil win. I'll go for Morgan Feeney and Amari Patrick to score. Okay. Uh, Dan, this is Dan's predictions. 2-0 uh, win uh, with Christian Dennis... And Jordan Gibson to score. Gibson's oh, I, due a goal, like to be fair. Should I complete the set? Two nil. Um, Christian Dennis and um, uh, Paul Huntington. There you go. The old boys. They're going to score the goals. Um, right. Well, that's it, isn't it? We're not going to do the X Files because uh, we're saving that for for next week. We'll do a sort of bumper one with a few in there. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about uh, Big Jared getting on the goal-scoring um, run again, isn't he, for PSV? Mm. Adding, adding the money to that sell-on, hopefully. Yeah. And there you go. Adding add another zero to his uh, transfer fee. Uh, maybe not a zero, but he'll certainly <laughs> pu- pu- push a few bits up, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, that's it then, isn't it, Mike? Thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Branch, and uh, thanks once again everyone listening. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Yeah, cheers. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Up the Blues. Up the Blues.